Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ash Milburn. Hello! I'm Kirsten Rear. Hello! Now, we're going to do uh, some questions from the hashtag WCGP tag over on Twitter. You can leave your own questions, thoughts, whatever you would like us to dive into going forward. Uh, yeah, go over to Twitter, leave some things, and we'll dive into them every couple of weeks. Um, so, this first one comes from Phantom Philly G, um, who uh, cited this article written by Heather Alexandra, who's an, uh, a now ex Kotaku writer. I'm talking about the general purpose of criticism. And I, that's a phenomenal article. You should go read it anyway. Um, but some of the quotes that um, they pulled out um, is that criticism applied in good faith is an act of empathy and kindness. It's a rejection of fanaticism. It reject this, rejects the schemes of money men. It rejects the snobbish suggestion that there is high art and low art. Criticism isn't... A- <laughs> Lost With these massive words, criticism is an egalitarian act by which all work is treated as equally valid. Basically, I want to know what you guys think of criticism in terms of the modern age. When do you think people go too far? Um, and I don't know, have you ever come across anything that you thought was just too vitriolic in the modern age? Ooh, ooh, that's a really good question <laughs> and a really interesting concept. Because I think criticism is necessary of everything to kind of assess it. Um, but it's such a personal and like subjective thing to do mm-hmm. that it's kind of hard to apply it to a mass sense of media and go, okay, this is what I think about this and this is what you should think as well. I think criticism as itself should always be a reflection of I had these insights about it i have all this information about the industry i've like researched this that, and the other and this this is my take it's always presented as this is my take do with what do with it what you will and i think going either end of the spectrum where it is um, fanaticism or whether it is vitriolic is negative in it doesn't serve any purpose it doesn't do anything for anyone other than go oh i've had such an emotional reaction to this that i can't comprehend my words properly and it doesn't come out <laughs> and be delivered in a uh, interesting engaging um, way and i think Sometimes that's really good when it's that bad or that good. You can go, okay, wow, it set off that reaction in that person. Jeez, obviously it's really good or really bad. But I think for a large portion of the time, as long as you are justifying opinions and as long as you're approaching them as your subjective take where that comes from your personal experience, your knowledge base and going, here is all my stuff, even if all that stuff is just, oh, this is this, um, then I think that criticism is valid, necessary, an integral part of society as well. 
Mm-hmm. I think like as the like industry's gotten like bigger, like this generation, there's been so many like because one of my things with Ghost of Tsushima, and we can we can talk about this like later in the podcast. We might get to some of the I've made like a separate list of like some stuff to talk about in regards to PS4 games, depending on how much time we have. Um, but something that stood out to me with that new Ghost of Tsushima footage is how much they kind of fall back on like expected formulas and stuff. Um, and talking to uh, you and Josh about it, I was like, ah, like I feel like I've seen the vast majority of like this game, this game's mechanics like before. Um, but objectively, they're solid and serviceable and bankable and they work. Um, so it's like, I would have a personal criticism of that, but they've obviously found like other positives in it. But I think there's always like a back and forward um, line. And I don't know, I always feel like I know when I'm getting carried away being like, oh, this thing is terrible, but I know that it's not for me. Like, Ash, you kind of bounced off uh, Sekiro, but like, you were like, oh no, it's it's still totally fine. Uh, it's just not for me. We don't and, like, bring I- it up! <laughs> And I kind of had the same thing where I was like, I can tell this thing is immaculately made, but like, I'm just so infuriated with it. And that's kind of part of the design. I'm meant to be yeah. feeling like hell. Um, but yeah, Kirsten, where'd you come down on like, I guess, knowing a game potentially is made well, but then going, actually, no, like this thing kind of sucks for me. Yeah, I think, like you said, everyone's entitled to their own opinion and their own constructive criticism. Like Ash said, like with a lot of criticism, it is needed so that you can um, progress and that you can make things better and you can adjust things that people have found and criticised within a game. Um, But yeah, I mean, everyone has their right to sort of say, like, it's just not for me. doesn't mean that it's a bad game. doesn't mean that it's poorly made because a lot of games, like, you know, I was one of the people I've never really got around to playing any of, like, the Demon Souls or Bloodborne and um, anything like that because just to me, I know that they're brilliant games. I know that they're very well made. But for me, it's just not the sort of thing that I enjoy. And I have every right to say that. People have their, like, everyone has their own right to say, yeah, it's good, but it's not for me. But I think the the line with criticism is when people just turn around and instead of sort of realizing, oh, it's just not the sort of thing I enjoy, they just turn around and go, it's crap, it's rubbish, mm-hmm. don't play it, don't bother. Um, and I think that's where there, there's the line of criticism. It's There's a difference between having a, a constructive criticism and just being completely negative for the for the sake of being negative. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, like, that using the word uh, kindness is what kind of stood out to me. I don't <laughs> think of like game criticism as like a kindness, um, but mm-hmm. I like the whole, like, yeah, being more analytical. I, I don't know, I, I love getting lost in that whole philosophical stuff of like objectivity and subjectivity and being like, okay, like this game mechanic is clearly well made like it's not broken or glitchy or falling apart like it's just the you know if it's a personal taste thing like i kind of bounce off certain things and like yeah i think going back and forward with those um i don't know conversation types is like the most worthwhile thing um but yeah as like a leaving piece like for like uh, heather's last piece i just thought it was like a really cool um article overall and yeah so thanks to phantom philly g um next one is from steve perry who says do you think that sony will match microsoft by doing playstation smart delivery um smart delivery is the thing that uh, microsoft have touted where you buy a game on xbox one now and you automatically get the series x upgrade when that console drops um so perry says um if sony don't um he's picturing xbox doing an advert on how do you upgrade your games to next gen and then literally just showing a guy turning his regular console off and immediately going to series x um because that would be their way of sort of getting back at sony doing the how you share games on ps4 thing mm. um yeah what do you guys what do you guys think of the smart delivery stuff because i've seen ea are like re- well they're not outright refusing to do it but they're one of the only publishers that aren't doing it because assumedly they're going to want to charge people for multiple copies of the same game whereas mm. um cdpr are happy for people to buy cyberpunk on uh, xbox one and then they get the series x upgrade later um what do you think of it in terms of like a business move yeah no i think it's a i think it's a good idea to be honest i think that sometimes people can um it's difficult isn't it because you think of it in a business sense that is there going to be money lost i guess 
in a way but at the same time I can see how a lot of people will be put off by the fact that it's like well you know I might not want to switch consoles or oh actually I want the new console because of like you know what it's you know producing and and, and the, the graphics are obviously a lot better however maybe I don't like the new games but I still want to be able to buy the new one and play my old games so it's it's it, it's difficult because you can understand why people might not want to do it I can understand why Sony definitely wouldn't want to do it because I feel like they definitely seem to focus a lot more on the money side of things, probably more than Microsoft do. Um, so I don't know if maybe they'll match it or if they'll try to match it and it will just be completely pointless. They've, they've kind of done things like that before. Mm. Um, but yeah, personally, I think the whole, um, yeah, being able to sort of buy games and then that that literally once you have that one game, it will work on either console. I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, it, it, there's always, everyone always loves that kind of kind of backwards compatibility mm -hmm. um because some people just like being able to play the same game that they've loved over and over again but they just like having it to be yeah crisper and clearer and cleaner and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that that's the thing like the this generation we've seen like you know buying a, it feels like you're buying a license for a game like you know like there's been so many cross-buy things or you buy something on, on ps4 and it works on the vita as well depending on what it is um but it's weird if you were someone like crunching the numbers it's like okay we're sent we're selling one more version of this game to each person and that's it we're never going to do unless we do like a full-on remake like resident evil 2 or crash or spyro mm -hmm. or whatever um we can't then charge for the same thing again um and i quite like that in terms of like putting the onus on the publishers to justify like that money spent um but yeah Ash, what do you think of it in terms of like as like a business thing oh i think it's a very microsoft move like it's very mm. like nice guy microsoft doing that whole it's like, <laughs> it's like forwards compatibility instead of backwards isn't it it's a really nice mm. idea and i think bridging this gap in the market between two consoles and between games that people will buy on one and then want to buy on the other um it's a smart way of doing it and for keeping people loyal to your brand but I don't think it will put people off if it isn't matched mm. by other companies because you will want the next exciting thing. You will want the next copy on your new device. Um, I would really like it to be implemented across the board because, again, it's nice and it keeps the consumer in mind rather than the pay packet. Um, but I also think if you get something different on the PS5 to the PS4, like it it, it really depends on that, doesn't it, really? Mm. like if, you, if you're getting one game that's uh, on this generation and then it's upgraded on the next one, pay for it twice. I don't mind paying for it twice because I'm going right. to get a different experience, more Christmas stuff, Venus stuff, better stuff. But it really needs to be quite the upgrade to justify that or mm -hmm. maybe a monetary, like if it was a, a digital purchase, for example, mm. um, you, you buy the one and then pay like five, five pounds or something to get the upgraded version of it on your new console. That'd be a good way of doing it. But uh, but if you're just getting uh, the same thing across the board, if it's just going to be the same game ported to a new console that then benefits from better graphics by virtue of just being on the console, then they can't really justify paying twice for it. Mm. Which I think is entirely what EA will yeah. do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a long way around the same thing. But like basically, if you're not getting anything new from having um, a second copy, then they can't justify the, the purchase of it. And I think having this smart match thing is a great idea and is uh, really <laughs> nice, like definitely. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, did, have you guys, or did you end up buying something on the current generation that you already own from like near the tail end of the last one? Because I remember when the, um, the PS4 and stuff came out and it was like, oh, you can buy the PS4 version of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which Nyon looked exactly the same apart from they put like a, some detailed list out of like, oh, well, there's more rain in it or it's able to render like <laughs> more reflections or something. And then, you know, when Zelda released on uh, the Wii U and then on the Switch, it was like, oh, the audio sounds better on the Switch. Mm. And there was kind of like these very minimal jumps between them. But yeah, have either of you guys ever like bought something, like I guess bought something on the next, in the quote unquote, the next generation of consoles and then just thought actually it's super similar to what you already had? 
I don't think I bought something outright that I already had and then played it again on a new one. Mm. I, like, as in, I've I've made I've done the old Xbox games on the Xbox One since, but not like I haven't bought one and then shifted it over to carry on playing it on a new console. I've been like, oh, right. look at this different. I bought Black Flag um, as like my <laughs> first like the in, the new wave of console game. I didn't get it when it was on the old one, um, but I don't. I think if I want to play a game and I don't want to play it on the new console. Ooh, I think I would just buy it then, you know, I think I'd have to wait for the excitement because I could get it as a little treat then with all the bonuses mm-hmm. and extras and flourishes going in. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, hang on. Edition. Yeah, I can wait and hang on for the, the really shiny, sparkly version. But I get mm-hmm. why people wouldn't want to and would want to experience the game and the story first and then mm-hmm. the tech um, second. But it also depends on how interested you are in getting the console. If you're dead set on getting it when it comes out, then you, you're stuck in the bridge gap again, the, the little yeah. hole where you're like, oh, my games. Oh, what do it's I kind of like that gray area of like, like, like I said, some companies like EA or whatever just going like, well, you know, we've got like the new FIFA and it's all it's Xbox Series X version. So assumably that's going to be worth the extra money. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's nigh on the same one that's been in development for the older systems for like a year or a couple of years you're pretty much buying the same thing with like slightly mm. shinier textures and um, yeah Kirsten have you had the same sort of experience with buying anything on the next gen only for it to be pretty much the same thing um I don't really remember I mean to be honest it was such a long time ago it feels like my, my memory <laughs> is just shot now I know it's just all merging into one but I would say that um I did notice a difference when I purchased uh the Bioshock remaster that was um nice. released on the xbox one um and i did notice a difference like even though i hadn't played like the original for a good long while it was just instantly i recognized that everything was crisper and cleaner and a lot more colorful so that's the sort of thing that you want to hope for even if like you said it's it's not a major difference if even if it's just something that you can visibly notice that you straight away go oh yes i can tell that this is remastered this is hd this is better instead of just sitting there going Mm. <laughs> has this changed uh, yeah. yeah you know and you go oh i don't remember that sound being there oh yeah there's slightly more rain um but <laughs> yeah that that's the sort of experience you want to have when you get something on a next gen console is to actually be blown away by wow like this is a game that i loved on my old console and now look at on this one it looks incredible mm. instead of just wow that was well, like I spent, not yeah, worth you, the money at, the at all. Money like, yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Hopefully, like with doing stuff like this, like I think um, Microsoft are doing, like it is like you know, big Mister Kind Microsoft trying to get everybody back considering the generation that they've had. Um, but if this takes off, I mean, that would be pretty cool. You only have to buy one game once, and assumedly it would work with every future uh, generation of systems. Um, next question from Willie Araya, which is a great name. Um, he talked <laughs> about um, the Ubisoft paradox. Um, he says, "What do they do? Do they put? Should they put new ideas into new IPs like Watch Dogs or For Honor?" Um, with the risk of not being well received or do they put ideas into existing ips like assassin's creed or tom clancy's but they alienate existing fan bases and um, this feels like it came out of the um, assassin's creed valhalla stuff um, which like obviously me and you kirsten did the reaction to it um, but just in general that game doesn't really look like an assassin's creed game anymore um, and it's it's that sort of general question of like would ubisoft be better just severing ties with these ips and just calling it something else um, we talked about it a little bit at the time in terms of they could have just called it valhalla um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, Ash, what do you what do you think of like over the years with Ubisoft? Should they just try and do more new stuff? Oh, I think ooh. it's a big question again, because Assassin's Creed is definitely like it's had its cake and eaten it at this point and continues to keep coming out. But if they've got ideas for it, I'm happy to eat it up, you know, like deliver <laughs> me the cake or have a slice. Um, mm. As long as I've got the ideas to keep it going in the fashion that it already exists, then yeah, keep on doing it. But I would, I always love a new IP. I'm a fan yeah. of a new IP. I like well, some you new ideas. Like, um, Gods and Monsters, right? 
Yeah, I am excited for Gods and Monsters, which is just Assassin's Creed Odyssey done again. So, um, like, I, I think anything where they can show that they have all these ideas and put them in a new setting and succeed there would be really good. But oh, I, I'm sitting on the fence because I think Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla does sound interesting and is a cool mm. idea and, it's in, and is something that could engage a whole new audience into a franchise um, that they haven't experienced before and then go, okay, maybe I'll check out the old games as well. And then you get a whole wealth of experience that you wouldn't have maybe checked out otherwise. Um, That's so a really I, good point, actually. Like, yeah, I never, I never think of like it, it incentivizing people to go back over and check out the rest of the catalog. I just, I find like I'm a stickler for like, you know, it, like especially in Hollywood, the amount of old old franchises that get resurrected, and like I would much rather have, you know, from the creators or the director of X is a new thing. That's kind of just like a personal uh, like take, but that that is true though that people end up going back into older stuff too. I guess I kind of see it more as it's like listening to a band's new music than mm. like like you, you you love the band from the origin point and maybe it changes over time and you fall out of love with it but a whole new bunch of people come on board with it and then maybe listen to the back catalogue and go ah oh, this is one thing but it morphs and changes and has all these different components to it which is an interesting conglomerative ideas basically but mm-hmm. new IP is always king new IP is always king if they do it well definitely new IP do, do both why not both have us one new <laughs> idea and then like some also continued stuff but don't do it all the, all the time you know what I mean mm-hmm. also spread things out but yeah mm-hmm. best of both would be have, ideal yeah they have more than enough studios to do that with um, Kirsten yeah. what do you think overall especially with someone like Ubisoft who have so many IPs that they could be doing more with Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, when we watched the Valhalla um, trailer, that one of the first things I said was, this doesn't seem like an Assassin's Creed game, and it would have worked perfectly on its own. It doesn't need to be tied to Assassin's Creed, it's, it's, and it seems so very loosely tied mm. to Assassin's Creed. Um, but I agree with both of you in a sense that, you know, it does bring in a new audience, and it can maybe, you know, allow people to sort of backtrack and have a look at some of the other games, which I guess is maybe why they're keeping it attached to the whole Assassin's Creed name. But I also agree with you, Scott, when you say, like, it's, it's similar sort of sense when you get your new movies come out and they go oh from the creators of the conjuring or from the creators of insidious and you think oh good so they they did this it's you kind of have an expectation that you think if they can do that well then surely they're going to do this well mm-hmm. and that's what i don't understand with um you know games like valhalla which could have worked so perfectly on their own and just say from the creators of assassin's creed yeah. this is valhalla and people would be people would be happy with that because they'll go oh it's not a new assassin's creed game but at least we know it's going to be good because it's tied to that like you know that franchise mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that they have like you said they have plenty of people that are fully capable of making new ips they clearly have the ideas there and um it would just be nice for them to just kind of take that step and be like no do you know what let's cut our ties just just trust our game and just put it out there. People, you know, people are absolutely loving Valhalla at the moment, but the only thing that they're saying is that it doesn't seem like an Assassin's Creed game. So yeah. it just makes no sense to me as to why they are trying so hard to just clutch onto that little <laughs> ray of sunshine that they know will bring people in when it doesn't mm. need it anymore. I know. I think uh, to me, I don't know if it's just like me being like Mr. Cynical Man, but I'm just like, it just makes me think of like, it's the bankability side of it. It's like, you'll make mm-hmm. more money if you call this Assassin's Creed um, versus, you know, doing a new thing. I guess the proof will be in the pudding with Gods and Monsters because that's one of the, as far as I know, that's one of the, like the only sort of new Ubisoft IPs they've had in quite a while, like Valiant Hearts sort of stood out from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's for me, it's about time that they sort of transitioned a bit. And if, especially with the new, um, you know, console generation, it's like, I would like that to come with a whole bunch of new IPs. Um, so yeah, I would, I would go with like new IP as king. Uh, next mm-hmm. question um, is actually another one from uh, Phantom Philly G, who just says, of all the upcoming remakes, which one are you most excited for? Um, and they cite three different um, sets that are coming up. So first up is the Mafia Trilogy, um, there's the Mass Effect HD trilogy, which isn't confirmed, but seems like it's what EA have been referring to um, with their EA HD thing. And it was also kind of um, broken by VentureBeat. They just randomly put in one of their uh, articles. Oh, by the way, the EA HD thing is Mass Effect. Okay, see you later. And it was like, okay. So it seems like we're getting that. Um, and the other one is the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 combo. Um, <laughs> I guess for the sake of fun, you can only pick one. I'm going to go with Mass Effect Trilogy just because I absolutely adore uh, Mass Effect. And I think that that series has just had a terrible run this generation. It's about time mm-hmm. it came back. Um, I don't know if they'd ever put it on like something like Switch, but I would happily go back through it. Handheld, that would be lush. Um, Ash, where do you come down on Mafia, Mass Effect or Tony Hawk's? I, I come down on Mass Effect not being on the Switch. I find it really weird doing like big <laughs> RPG stuff on Tiny Handheld things like the witcher being on switch freaks me out you a bit don't, you don't like it. <laughs> no it freaks me out a bit thinking about it like massive <laughs> game being on this tiny little so it makes it's sense great. when obviously you, when you're doing it and you have it in the dock but when it's like just in your hands and you're like looking at little Geralt going oh come on like it's, 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 mate, and you've got a little portable 600 hour rpg no, yeah, the portability is good. Look, look, it freaks me out. I think you should be sitting here with your, with your big box on your big TV, just like plugged in. Um, but for me, it'd also be Mass Effect. Absolutely. I think the first game could do with so much, could do with so much re-jazzing because it, it's a great game. It's a solid game, but you play any of the others before you come back to it or you remember all the joys of Mass Effect 2 and then go and play Mass Effect 1 and it kind of throws up all the problems that there were with maybe some clunky things, some slow things. I love the the car. I love the car. The Mac- I love the, the Mega. Too. 
yeah. like three people in the world that think that thing's a good idea and the other one works for Bioware. I love it. I love it. I love the uh, I love the card. I want that in every game. I want that remastered so people love it and respect it for what it is. Like it's such a good idea. Um, I'd, I'd love Mass Effect to come around again. That was like my growing up. Like my teenage years was Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two repeatedly. And when my friends played it, and all we talked about was Mass Effect all the time and all the different relationships and shepherds you could make. I'd like it to happen again. I want everyone else to have that experience with a remastered game where they can fall in love with the technology of it as well and not look at it as some vintage title that they have to go back to. Mm-hmm. I just did a, a, like a video on, I don't know when this, this podcast will be going out today, which is Friday. There's a video coming out tomorrow on the Saturday about how Mass Effect could come back next generation. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking if they did this HD trilogy thing, um, if you added all the DLC and the extra stuff to Mass Effect 3, so it was all just one actual story yes. and not weirdly segmented with uh, Yavik on like a separate pack and everything, maybe Mass Effect 3 is, well, it is a way more solid game. Maybe it would be received a lot better if you did it that way. It is a solid game. It it's is not, a solid is it? game. It's is got it? an ending. It's got an ending that is a choice, but the game itself is completely solid. I, mm. the, the game of Mass Effect Three, the whole fat hour chunk, that you, like <laughs> the hours you can invest in that game, are good times that you have in that game. It's literally just the ending that let people down. All of the other stories that get tied off, all the other things you experience and enjoy in that game, make it a good game. It is just the ending that is allowed to be criticised. Mass Effect Three Defender Ash Milman has entered the chat. <laughs> um, yes, where do you come down? Do you prefer Mafia Mass Effect or Tony Hawk's? Oh, it's got to be Tony Hawk's. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. I, it was such a brilliant game. I remember playing all of those, like all of the skater games when I was a kid. I remember playing Damn. like the, the Disney one, Tony Hawk's, Skate. It was just brilliant. And my, my partner actually ran up to me the other day when it was announced and he was like, they're remaking Tony Hawk's, they're remaking Tony Hawk's. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Like thinking, you know, they're, they're, when he said remake and I didn't kind of click and I thought maybe they'd come up with a new one. I thought, oh, here we go. Like they haven't been having the, the greatest of time with their, their new games. And he was like, no, they're remaking like the original Tony Hawk's and then showed me like the comparison and showed me like the brand new gameplay. And oh, it is just beautiful. And it's just, it's 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 gonna bring back so much nostalgia and memories and the, the soundtrack's the exact same. And it's mm-hmm. just everything about that game is brilliant. And just purely for nostalgia reasons, I want to play it and I can't wait to play it. I loved the skate games as well. And it doesn't seem like we're gonna be getting a skate four or anything no. new anytime soon. Um, so yeah, for me, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a bit of Tony Hawk. I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait to just sit down with my partner, grind out some of Tony Hawks. It's gonna be, <laughs> oh, it's gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I feel like a little 90s kid again it's gonna be i'm gonna be so happy i want to do the horse mode that's the thing i mean i'm pretty sure it's in there but i want to do the horse thing um did you guys play the um tony hawks hd that was on the 360 they put like a little one out it was just they kind of messed mm. that up there was no none mm. of the songs came back and it's like it wasn't until i saw the because i saw the initial announcement for this and i was like they have to have the soundtrack otherwise mm. there's just no point doing it and they've said that they've got the vast majority of it um mm. which on the trailer was like rage against the machine and whatever so i'm, I'm hoping that the vast majority is there um, <laughs> so hopefully um but as my computer freaks out no wait i'll do a thing <laughs> i promise i have questions um next one is from uh, chingy I, I was gonna try and pronounce his name i think it's chingy's rajabli but i've probably got it wrong you never know and <laughs> um, but he says um what do you think now that we've seen the demo for the unreal engine 5 um how what does the what's the general average look for new games going to be because i mean i don't know if you guys have seen that stuff um but that was like super look at these shiny rocks look at this mm. look at this environmental detail um, <laughs> look at did the that triangles stuff, yeah, look, look at the billions of <laughs> Look how many triangles there are. There's so many. There's like 16 billion in that one room. There's tons yeah. of them. Um, yeah, where did you guys come down on that stuff as a general reaction to it? Did it blow you away or, or are you more waiting to be wild by gameplay mechanics and things like that? Oh, 
gameplay mechanics and stories. It's always the same for me. Like technology <laughs> and stuff and the whole graphic and upgrade and everything I'm excited for. And I like seeing and I go, oh, boy, them are some triangles. <laughs> but like all that matters to me is what stories it delivers. If you're just looking at triangles and wandering around going, hey, that's a good building. Whoa. Then uh, mm -hmm. you don't really get anything from the experience. I feel like all the stuff that sticks with us with games throughout the years are the moments where they kind of emotionally devastate you. And I just want to be emotionally <laughs> devastated in 4K. You know what I mean? Like yeah. emotionally devastate me with triangles as well. Um, so yeah, it's great and it's impressive, but also deliver me the goods on uh, mm -hmm. the rest of the process as well. That was kind of my thing because like, what, again, it's, it's my thing with Ghost of Tsushima where I'm just sort of like okay this is cool um, but what have you got that's new and like in Tsushima's case it was like well they've got that standoff mode where you sort of walk up to dudes and you can choose to duel them and stuff but in uh, in the case of the Unreal Engine demo as well I was like well this is kind of just uncharted like it just it mm. felt like the way that the guy was or the woman was like mantling up and down the cliffs I was like well I've kind of seen this before mm. um, and it does look amazing but I just I kind of want something to come along and just yeah like have a new mechanic something that we haven't seen before because um, even that flying section from the end uh, has been in gravity rush a couple of times in both of those games um but yeah Kirsten would you come down on I guess just general expectations for the next gen like do you think environmental work and graphics are enough or are you kind of holding out for something more special yeah I mean I think it needs to be a mixture of everything really like you like you said you want to kind of have some more new mechanics just to kind of blow your mind a little bit and be like wow we've never been able to do this before not seen this before but at the same time like yeah you do want it to be an upgrade of of what you've had before you want to be able to sit down and like i said before sort of have that noticeable difference um and i was actually quite blown away with the graphics of mm -hmm. the rocks um because yeah you know i was looking at them and i was like they look like real rocks like that's good and and i, I think it's just because i appreciate like how much effort goes into something like that and you just think mm -hmm. wow good for you like the, the fact that you can create something so realistic is amazing but at the same time like ash said what's the point of having these incredible graphics if you know it's not a good game and the mechanics aren't there and and there's no story or the gameplay is completely shocking so you just think <laughs> it has to be a nice blend of everything like i want to see something fresh and new but i want it to also be crisp and clean and to kind of blow me away and just be beautiful i want i want everything to be pretty and beautiful but i also don't want the story to suck so yeah <laughs> is, is it too is it too bad to, is it is it <laughs> i just want a bit of everything i don't know i feel like that's a little bit selfish to sort of be like just just give me all of it is that like too I much you, to want, <laughs> you want something that stands out you want something that wows yeah. you I, I, yeah obviously they're going to lead with like pure engine tech demos because it always used mm -hmm. to be look how shiny this car is when it was like Gran Turismo yeah. or Forza or something and now it's look how many rocks we've got <laughs> which was still like pretty incredible um but yeah I'm kind of I'm holding out hope that there's something genre wise that we just we see it be played and we go oh my god I can't wait to just control that um because I feel like so often you see stuff be played and you know how it's going to feel um and you kind of know how like that climbing section or combat or whatever is going to be um next question from Maxine Sternhorn who says uh, with Battlefront 3 not coming for a while if at all and the other Star Wars game that we know is coming is um Jedi Fallen Order 2 and um, what direction do you think EA is going to go in with the license should Disney still allow EA to keep it and um, which I guess is like a general sort of question as to how have you how do you guys think EA have been with Star Wars across the last sort of seven-ish years it's been a bit naff yeah <laughs> is that like including the films and stuff as well or just no like they they signed like a deal i think they signed it in 2012 but it was like disney did this thing where after, after they acquired star wars they gave uh the game the gaming side of things to just ea so that was why we only ea have been making like battlefront and fallen order and stuff and um, so yeah it's just on the game side but i think there's so much more they could do with that ip and it mm. feels super restrictive only being like they've only put out like three games in the last seven years yeah I um, yeah. I've never been big on the Star Wars games, you know. It's never been something that's really, really drawn me in. The films, I'm very much like uh, people are like love or hate, but I'm just like, oh yeah, they're on. 
Um, <laughs> but like, it's never been it's never been a franchise that's really pulled me in. I like Star Wars, but the games have not been something that have been a big priority for me. So maybe that's something that they could focus on. The people who go, oh yeah, Star Wars is all right, but where's my in point in a modern time? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where, what what game should I play that they should be making un unmissable for anyone of any proclivity towards Star Wars. I don't think there has been one like that in recent years where it's been like, you mm-hmm. cannot miss this game. It is so good. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you disagree, of course, but like, I don't think... I, just, I mean, no, not really. There's not been like a truly great, like up there with mm-hmm. God of War, Breath of the Wild. There's not yeah. been... There hasn't been a Star Wars game like that in so long. I think the nearest yeah. is Jedi Fallen Order, and that, for me, just kind of felt like a Souls clone in the best way possible, but mm-hmm. it just felt like here's a bunch of mechanics that we took across. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Kirsten, what do you think of, I guess, just EA's handling of Star Wars? Yeah, they, they aren't doing well. Um, I remember when they announced Star Wars Battlefront um, 2, I guess it was, yeah. Mm. Um, and I was so excited because Battlefront was one of my favourite games to play as a kid. Like, I used to sit there and play it with my brothers and I, we played it for hours and hours. It was brilliant. And I mm. remember, like, almost being brought to tears. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm so excited. And then it just sucked. It just <laughs> sucked so bad you like to pay for skin and yeah you had to pay for oh and i was just like what have you done it was so easy just create a pretty much a clone of the old one but just better graphics it's not that difficult but Mm -hmm. typical ea money grabbing ea trying to think right how can we get more money out of people and um i just yeah i just think they just need to kind of just focus on the fact that people just want a decent star wars game i mean another one of my favorite games was jedi academy i think it Mm -hmm. was called and even if they remade that on like a next gen console, oh, that would be incredible. It was a fantastic oh, game. It was yeah. basically an RPG Star Wars game. Hello, like, <laughs> well, they just winner, really, um, how is it? I it was it? like Academy and Outcast. And it was like, I know that those games are kind of still in and like they're from like 1997 or something. But yeah. like, yeah, I remember those from back in the day and I've rebought them as well. And it's like, man, I remember when like Star Wars games used to have that mm. sort of energy to them and like, that sort of originality to them. And if you look at the ones that were released across the 2000s, it was everything from real time strategy to like over shoulder mm. combat and whatever. There's different things they could do. Also, Ash, you would like Republic Commando because it's kind of like Colonial Marines, not ah. really. But, well, now you know, interested. Why did they put that on the branding? <laughs> it's got the land. <laughs> um, I guess it's like a closing point to this. If you were Disney, would you take the IP off them and, and share it around multiple other studios? Um, or do you think that they should be allowed to sort of carry it into the next generation? Uh, no, I think they should definitely spread it out. Just don't want to jump in, sorry. I think they should definitely spread it out and do some more creative things with it and deliver it to different studios that are going to do other other stuff. You know what I mean? EA is a very specific type of game that they deliver, and I think handing it out and going, ooh, who can make the best game, the most interesting game, the thing that's going to draw people in um, the most and have the most enticing story, this, that, or the other, and just, you know, say, EA, pack it in. Um, let's, let's see what everyone else can do. Or, you know, allow other people to have it as well as EA. Just do some different stuff, experiment mm-hmm. with it. Star Wars in recent years has been all about experimentation, both to good and bad degrees. So I think allowing that in the games as well would be um, a good move for them. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. I would like share it out across even little indie studios, like the weirdest recommendation. Yeah. We did a video on this a while ago, um, but the the Mummy movie that was completely terrible, the 2017 <laughs> one, um, they, yeah. gave that li- they gave that license to a little indie team who did a really lush little game called The Mummy Demastered, which I totally recommend. And I just, I like the idea of big, massive uh, franchises giving their IP to smaller teams who can manage expectations a bit better and then you, you can only really be impressed on the other side of it um yeah Kirsten what do you think would you take the license off EA going forward 
It's a difficult question because EA can make them some very good games. They have proven that they can make some good games, but yeah, they're just just track record is just not good for them. So <laughs> yeah, part of me would be like give them a chance, but maybe get Disney allowed to be more involved so that they can be like, no, don't do that. But at the same time, yeah, I agree. Give it to someone that is clearly very passionate about it and say, and we'll say, yeah, we, let's make something good. Give us that chance. So. Mm -hmm. If they if they want to do it, clearly just let give it to the person that wants to do it and not EA who just seem to kind of, oh, okay, I guess we'll make a Star Wars game if that's what you want. Yeah, just hire it, a, it needs to have that passion there. Yeah, just hire a professional wrist slapper who can stand yeah. in the corner of the studio <laughs> no. and just walk them away from all the bad stuff. Don't you do um, that. So yeah, you guys can head over to uh, Twitter. You can use the hashtag WCGP to leave us some questions and thoughts and we'll get to them in the coming weeks. For now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, for joined by Ash Milburn. Hello, goodbye. <laughs> I'm just in here. <laughs> Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.